This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Thursday, May 24th, 2018. My guest is Mary Jo Foley of ZDNet. Hi, Mary Jo, how are you? Hi, I'm great. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Thanks for being here. So you are, I think, one of the Microsoft experts out there. I mean, that's all you've been covering in great depth for many years. I mean, you cover other stuff, obviously, but I want to talk about what happened at Microsoft Build because I wasn't there. It's conflicted with I.O. this year. I always get Microsoft to you know invite me. Usually it's in Seattle, which is a familiar city to me. I used to live there. Uh, but I couldn't make it. And then Computex is coming up uh, in Taipei and Taiwan in about 10 days, and I'm going to be there. So you won't, I don't think, right? No, sadly I will not. But I'd like to know what you think of the state of, you know, Windows, Microsoft, and potentially, you know, what your vibe is about hardware and where it's been going, coming from, where do you see it going as Windows and Microsoft evolves as a company? As, you, as we know, they're really putting a lot of emphasis on services, right? They are, for sure. Yes. So, Build. Tell me about Build. Yeah. So, you know, I've gone to, I think, all of the Builds since they began having the Build conference. And before that, I used to go to WinHEC and PDC. So I've been to a lot of these developer-focused events that Microsoft does. And this build was a really weird build. And the reason it was weird is it happened one month after Microsoft did this major reorg at the company, which split the Windows group into two parts. And Terry Meyerson, who had been leading the Windows group, was basically out. out, I wouldn't say ousted, but he's out. He's out and no longer working with Microsoft. Wow. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, usually when you go to build, you're like, okay, they're going to talk about Windows development, they're going to have a lot for people who do .NET and the universal Windows platform, and it's going to be very heavily Windows focused. This year, it was not. Day one of build wasn't about Windows at all. It was about artificial intelligence. It was about um, IoT, like very heavily about IoT and IoT tools, Uh, lots of AI Lots of things about, you know, kind of the future around AI, AR, mixed reality, mm-hmm. and nothing about Windows. So wow. it, it was just very like, huh, okay. And day <laughs> two, so day one, like a three and a half hour keynote where not, almost nothing at all was said about Windows. Wow. Day two, Joe Belfiore, who I know you know, um, mm-hmm. who still is very instrumental in what's going on with Windows, got up to give uh, a one and a half hour keynote. And again, even though it was, quote, the Windows keynote, it was mostly about Microsoft 365, which is Microsoft's new bundle of Windows 10, Office 365, and Intune. And the pitch was, hey, developers, we want you to write for the Office graph, and we want you to think about the overall Microsoft 365 services picture. And yeah, we know you're doing Windows too, but you know, it's mostly about this other stuff. So it just felt so like shocking and different and weird that I think a lot of people who were there were kind of like, huh, this is a really different take and a different Microsoft. It sounds like it. What did you do? You probably came there for some Windows news. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Did you go up so, to them and say, sacrilege? <laughs> you know, be, because this reorg had happened um, a month before, we all were pretty much thinking it would they would de-emphasize Windows at, at Build, but we didn't think they would de-emphasize it that much. I, I feel safe saying. Right. So, uh, you know, there was definitely some Windows news there, and there was definitely a lot of .NET news for people who... Um, follow that platform and are still building .NET based applications. And these days, .NET is cross-platform. It's not just a Windows development environment. It, right. It's also on Linux and Mac. And um, so it's, a, a, again, a very different Microsoft. But, but um, yeah, you had to kind of go looking for some new kinds of news to cover if you, if you were somebody covering news at Build. Interesting. So what did you find? Or did you find anything? <laughs> yeah. So for me, I think the most interesting thing I I thought and felt, I, I think a lot of the people in the audience felt this too, was a demo that Microsoft did during day one um, as, as part of the keynote, where they talked about what smart meetings could look like in the future. So they set up this fake meeting room and they had Cortana in there as kind of like the MC of the conference room. Uh, and then they had a secret thing that hasn't been shown or announced that looked like a um, pyramid shaped thing that must be some kind of a futuristic conferencing system that automatically can recognize participants. Ooh. Because when people came into the room, it was like, hi, Bob. Hi, Barbara. Um, you know, The Verge had a story about that, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. Yep. And I wrote yeah. one too. Yeah. So, it, you know, that was kind of cool because it got you thinking about what is what is ambient intelligence going to look like in the future? You know, what is, what's the significance of Microsoft Teams, which is like their Slack competitor? What are they going to do with Cortana? It got you thinking about all these things um, in a way that, that got people excited. I think that was the thing that got people most excited. And so I thought that was good. Um, you know, it wasn't really a developer focus per se, except if you're somebody thinking, how can I develop um, solutions that would take advantage of this ambient intelligence kind of stuff? Right. So again, a different way of thinking about things if you're a developer, but at least that was pretty cool and pretty interesting. You know, the, the way they started the day one keynote, which is, was, I understand why they did this, but I thought it was a bad choice, to be honest, was they talked a lot about privacy and the ethics of AI. And I understand those are really important topics, but I don't think this was the right audience to start a keynote with that. Right. Of course. Yeah. But, you know, you know I mean? this is the thing about Build is like a lot of the time it's, you know, I think a lot of the keynote stuff is just kind of through the media and the public and then the developers kind of get yeah. more on day two really usually, right? Right. And then the sessions too you, where you can, you know, drill down on things like they, like they talked about a speech SDK that they have. That's interesting to some developers who are thinking about, you know, home automation and smart speakers. Okay. That's, that's the kind of stuff developers want to sink their teeth into, right? Um and they did announce, too, a partnership with Qualcomm there where they talked about um, a vision AI developer kit. So right. um, this is more for like camera-based IoT products, uh, things that will take advantage of on the back end of Microsoft machine learning services, and then use Qualcomm's vision intelligence platform and its AI engine. So kind of combining the best of Microsoft AI and Qualcomm AI into a developer kit. Those are the kind of meaty things I think developers are like, okay, tell me more about that, right? Instead of tell me more about your AI philosophy. I don't think that was, you know, the right room and right audience. 
Right. So did you find anything else that stood out? I mean, you are pretty good at talking to the right people there. So I assume that there was some stuff that maybe wasn't announced or that was kind of touched upon that you were able to dig in deeper. You know, I, I kind of was searching around for that and I don't feel like I found a ton of things um, of that nature while I was there. The, my, my one thing that I got out of the show that I thought was interesting and made it worth me going was I got to talk to um, Javier Soltero and he's the guy now who's running Cortana at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. He he came to the company when they bought his startup, which was called Accompli, who I think you probably know. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. 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 So he, he started out when he joined Microsoft running Outlook, which made sense because that's kind of the heritage where Accompli also played. But they recently moved him to running Cortana. And so I get, to, I get to sit down with him and say, okay, what the heck is going on with Cortana? You guys started out strong. You started losing ground to Alexa and Siri and, and Google Assistant. Like, what, what are you going to do? Like, you, it feels like you're way behind now. No one's building speakers using Cortana except for Harman Kardon. They have the Invoke. But there's nothing else. What are you guys doing? And it was really interesting uh, because he was very forthright. And he, he said, you know, we kind of missed that speaker market. And wow. we kind of saw that go by. And we don't have people writing skills for us like Alexa um, has right now. And they did do, oh, I didn't mention this earlier, but they did do a demo of the promised Cortana Alexa integration that's coming. They announced that a year ago, and they kind of showed where they're at at this point with that. It's kind of clunky. You know, you have to say, like, Alexa, open Cortana, which is so bizarre. <laughs> like, why would you do that, right? <laughs> wow. I know. So, uh, but 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 um, what he did talk about a lot is how Microsoft's kind of thinking these days about Cortana. and. He, he used this little quote that I think says a lot. He said, we're not positioning Cortana anymore as an assistant, but more of an assistance aid. So they're trying to build Cortana into all kinds of applications and services, their own and third party going forward, instead of making it its own standalone thing that you ask a question to. Interesting. Right? So, so they're kind yeah. of pivoting the scope of it. They are. They huh. are. It's so, really sad, though, that they missed that boat. I know. I mean, they like, they missed strong. mobile, and now they missed the next thing, which is ambient computing. Jeez, Microsoft. Guys, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, it, it really reminded me of the whole mobile thing. It's like, okay, hey, we have a, we have a strategy. We have a, an interesting product. Here we are, and we have a great you know, a great ecosystem, a lot of partners, and then something happens and you're just like, what happened, guys? You just let this go get away from you, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the good part is what they're doing makes a lot of sense if you think about Microsoft as an enterprise company and as more of a business-focused company. So, uh, you know, the idea is what if you integrated Cortana deeply into something like Teams, you know, their Slack competitor, right. have that be kind of your personal assistant inside Teams that is helping you figure out how to schedule a meeting, available dates with the other person you're talking to, which documents you need to talk to, talk about and surface those and give those to you. So I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, that's a good way to do this. But it's not unique because Amazon's trying to do this with Alexa for business too. And I'm sure Google's going to try this too. Yeah, for sure. Right? <laughs> You know, but it. anyway, I thought I thought that was very interesting. And 
um, they really talked a lot about speech at Build as kind of the next interface that they're really trying to take advantage of across their products and services and to get developers excited about. So I thought that that was very worthwhile to go and check that out. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that, you know, they still have a lot of opportunity in an uh, enterprise, but also, in, you know, their AI exper expertise is very deep, right? I mean, I think that a lot of people just don't see it because it's not as consumers facing. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, Microsoft has had years and years of R&D and speech AI, these fields that today are kind of relevant, but back in the day were pie in the sky. You know, remember in, uh, what was it, 2002 when tablet PCs mm -hmm. were pushed really hard and uh, and and Bill Gates was still around and, and he was all like, the future is tablet computing and voice control, right? I mean, look, we, we're here today, right? I mean, right. <laughs> iPads and surfaces and and little speakers in every room, right? So right. they had the vision. It's just that they never really kind of captured it. So I, I really hope that they can, you know, whatever crazy stuff they're working on now, they can eventually, uh, you know, put out there. Speaking of, you said there was a lot of AR and VR stuff uh, in the first keynote, right? Right. Did you get to see any of that? Like, was it anything that, stood out for you was it you know like we we know obviously about hololens but mm -hmm. hololens is still not really out there for enterprise use yet is it i mean it's still just developer centric at this point correct it, well it's starting to get more into the enterprise space and and that did come through during the first keynote they talked about two new apps that they built for the hololens that just this week in fact came uh, became available in preview for people who have a hololens so one of them is called Remote Assist, and um, what that what that is is a hands-free way of using the HoloLens so that if you're in the middle of doing something like a repair, you can just speak with it instead of have to, you know, do the gestures and, and kind of stop what you're doing and, and do something else. Right. So that, I thought that was smart. I'm like, okay, that's good. And maybe that could work into the conference room of the future, right? If you... They, they did show that as part of the scenario that in some cases, somebody might want to don a HoloLens in a meeting to, you know, visualize something in, in 3D or have more of an immersive experience. I don't, you know, maybe that'll happen. Maybe that won't. But um, the other one they have is called Layout, and that's more about designing um, in 3D layouts for office space and office buildings and all that. And I'm like, okay, good. Like these are the kind of applications. They're not the glitzy consumer ones, but they're the kind that people want to see who would spend a lot of money on a HoloLens and say, okay, what would I use this for? And totally. Yeah. So it felt like more real world kind of stuff. And I, I'm like, you know what? It's not, it's not like the fun cartoon character gets added to a scene and in 3D, which everybody thinks is fun and cute, but this is where the money is, is in corporate applications for the HoloLens. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I can see that. That's great. Um, yeah. But did they, they didn't obviously show any new hardware. I mean, mm -hmm. right. No, no, it's the same old, right? I, I mean, know. People, a whole bunch people of... were thinking they were going to show uh, like a glimpse of the new HoloLens because there is one coming. We think maybe like early next year. Um, they've hinted about it. They've said it's going to have an AI processor in it so you can do more processing in, you know, how they talk about on the edge. Um, right, right. The idea is put put more capabilities right into the HoloLens to do processing locally so that you don't have to wait for it to come back and hit your data center um, or your cloud or whatever. And, and 
So they, they didn't show that. And, and some people were thinking that that might have been something they would kind of throw out there and go, hey, look at this. We're not going to talk about it, but here it is. No, they didn't do that. Well, you know, I mean, I honestly wasn't expecting much uh, in yeah. terms of hardware there, um, which is also another reason why I didn't sweat too much. The fact that there mm-hmm. was a conflict with Google I.O. for me. But at the same time, you know, Microsoft hardware is cool. And I have a Surface laptop, by the way. That's the last oh. device that I managed to squeeze out of my lovely <laughs> PR folks. Because, uh, you know, I like to play with the toys. Yep. And uh, I have to say, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I, I just, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you this because... You know, I used Windows for many years as a software engineer when I worked in video games. So it's not like I'm anti-Windows. It's not like mm-hmm. I'm, in, you know, I've, I've never really been one of those people. I've always been a multi-platform person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason I went to Mac as my primary platform was because of a combination of beautiful hardware, um, you know, ease of use, mostly because I didn't have to tweak too much stuff. And it, mm. kept, it kept me away from my ADD tweaking everything that Windows was encouraging right. back in the day. Um, <laughs> and also because Unix, right? It has a right. Unix kernel. All this is melting away with Windows and uh, the current Windows as we know it. And, and it's really got me excited. The big, uh, the big news for me has been, you know, uh, the availability of, of Linux tools in Windows, which mm-hmm. is something they started talking about at Build last year. Um, and I, so I got this Surface laptop and I've had, you know, I've had a Surface 3 before it, you know, I've had, I've had a bunch of Surface devices in my hands, but the Surface laptop is the first one that when I took it out of the box and I set it up, felt like a Mac, like mm. everything worked. There were no drivers to tweaks, no weird downloads to deal with, you know, um, other laptops I've used from HP, from Dell, from, you know, Acer or whatever. I've. In even recent ones in the last few couple of years with Windows 10, I've had to like, had some weird things where the trackpad wouldn't work properly until I mm. installed some update from them. And But the Surface laptop just felt like perfect out of the box. Mm. Everything worked and I was up and running in 10 minutes flat. And I was like, yes, this <laughs> is heaven. And it really reinvigorated my excitement about Windows 10 because I feel like that's what people should expect and, and, and receive. The only negative about this laptop, honestly, in my use so far has been the lack of USB-C. My entire world revolves around it because I'm an Android user. Most of my phones are USB-C. Most of my Macs are USB-C. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't know how iPhone users do it because they have to deal with two connectors. Right. The poor people. <laughs> I have only one connector in my life. I have, like, I carry one massive 65 watt. It's not massive, actually, in terms of size, it's just massive in terms of output. I carry a single 65 watt USB Type C charger that supports all the voltages and currents for all my devices, and it charges everything. It's phenomenal. So, anyway, that's my, that's my experience with, uh, the what about laptop. the fuzzy keyboard, though? Okay, so I'm a little annoyed with that because oh, yeah. I'm glad you touched on that because ah, it hasn't worn yet on me because I haven't really used it enough because mm-hmm. I, you know, I split my time between whatever review units I have and my main devices, which currently I'm using primarily a MacBook 12-inch when I'm on the go. And I also use a uh, Chromebook, specifically the Pixelbook, which is Google's mm-hmm. uh, Chromebook, which is, in terms of hardware, a fabulous, fabulous piece of kit. Um but um, so the the service is kind of the third one I use. And so it does, you know, I don't like spend 12 hours a day on it or anything. Right. But I have a feeling that this Alcantara, which we all know is uh, 
is kind of a flawed material would wear out really fast. I don't know what your experience has been, but I I can tell you this. I'm a car enthusiast and I've driven many cars uh, that had Al- Alcantara steering wheels, for example, and it does not age well at all. Mm. I you know um, I I didn't I got to use the Surface laptop for about two weeks um, as a as a loner, and I did not like that fabric from the beginning. I I just was so cautious about I'm going to stain it, I'm going to spill it, something's going to happen, and so I was like typing extra carefully, and I, I'm like you know what your lap you, you shouldn't have to adjust to your laptop because it has a fuzzy fabric on it. Right? No, I agree. I think honestly it doesn't the stain is not what I would worry about. The thing about yeah. Alcantara is it's a it's a synthetic material so it's really easy to clean. Mm. The problem is that when you do clean it and as you do use it it changes its texture. Yeah. Over time it goes from being really soft mm-hmm. to kind of being like paper like sandpaper gritty. Like it doesn't hurt you as sandpaper would because it's still a, a fabric, mm-hmm. but it has that roughness when it ages that makes it feel icky. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. it, you feel yep. like this is this looks and feels like something that's very worn and it does so very rapidly. Oh, wow. And like I'm talking about if you had one of these for a year uh, and you used it, you know, say six, three to six hours a day, mm-hmm. I think you would end up with a definitely some of that kind of crud oh, wow. looking and feeling uh, where the, at least where the palm was resting for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You probably wouldn't see stains though. You'd be able to clean them as you go. Okay. But the, so I think it would look uniformly, uh, uh, you know, uh, colored wise, but I think it would look a little, uh, it would feel and look a different texture where the wear marks are. And that's the oh. problem. That's what yeah. it looks like on cars uh, after a few years the Alcantara, is that you can huh. tell where people are putting their hands on the wheel. You can't yeah. see dirt there, right? I it's see. washable, yeah. but yeah. it's like the fabric changes its texture. And I really don't understand why Microsoft did this. Me neither. I, and you know what? They could have made it an option, right? Like, if you really love this, here's a keyboard where you could have it. And here's the other one if you don't want it. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. This is also, you know, people are experimenting. I'm willing to give them that. Um, the, uh, for example, the 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 Google uh, Pixel book I have, they made the palm rest out of silicone, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's uh, the the whole thing is aluminum unibody, but it has a glass. Uh, basically, you know, the the if you close the lid, the lid is glass. Uh, mm-hmm. A third of it is glass, and the rest is unibody. And the whole thing is beautifully machined aluminum. But the palm rest and the little rubber feet on the bottom, actually not rubber, they're high high grade silicone like the stuff you use in you know kitchen utensils that like oh, yeah. washes mm-hmm. easily and is you know does is a heat resistant mm-hmm. and it's white and it's surprisingly stain resistant and dirt resistant mm-hmm. but it is definitely starting to kind of wear and i don't mean that in a you it's you know you can't see it but if you use it you can feel it a little bit and I'm wondering, you know, if I, I think that's going to age better than the the Surface Laptop's fabric. But I also am questioning their decision there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think as much as it's kind of cold to the touch and a little unfriendly, the aluminum uh, wrist pad is kind of the way to go. Yeah. Um, sadly. Uh, speaking of Surface uh, Laptop's. I, you sent me a link, a uh, story you wrote, uh, which I will put in the show notes, about a rumored uh, new Surface, a small size Surface. I mean, that rumor has been floating around, but I want to hear your take on this. So this is this is a very odd story. Uh, here's, here's what happened. I got a tip a while ago that Microsoft was working on a small size Surface, like a 
10 inch surface that was going to be core M based. Oh, interesting. But I was like, wait. And then, and then the tipster said, and it's going to cost $400. And I'm like, this tip can't be correct. And so I kept asking around about it. And then while I was working on trying to nail the story, Bloomberg posts a story and says, Microsoft's working on some Surface tablets priced at $400 that are going to be small, smaller sized. Oh. And I'm like, well, there it is. <laughs> and, and so we both kind of are hearing the same thing from our various contacts. I'm, I'm hearing Core M, um, four gigs of RAM, 64 gigs of storage for at least one of these devices. And Bloomberg's hearing it's like a family of new smaller surfaces. So my guess is this is for education, maybe? Um, yeah, but does it come with a keyboard? Because education, nope. you pretty much need a keyboard. And that's the thing I don't understand. I, I honestly, I think Apple's last educational event just had me more, left me with more questions than answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't try to understand what Apple does anymore because it doesn't make sense to me. Even as a longtime <laughs> Apple user, I mean, I'm not an I, I'm not an iOS fan anyway, so the the tablets don't mm-hmm. matter to me. Their tablets don't matter to me. I'd much rather have a Surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it's, it's just like I honestly, I think. I hate to say this, but I think Google's nailed it with Chromebooks, okay? Like, yeah. this is the way to go, okay? I think so, too. I mean, yeah. uh, I think Microsoft had a good try with, what was it, Windows 10 S? Was it S? Yeah. yeah. S. Um, yeah. You know, I, I get the idea, but, like, they, you know, as you know, the limitations of, like, only being able to use Edge as a browser, I just, mm-hmm. ugh, I, I don't know. It was just a, a weird thing. And, I mean, my, my, my Surface laptop came with S, and it, lasted 10 seconds i i didn't even try because honestly i didn't want to try like why would i bother right you know what i so i did try s i i kept of course you would on it. but but here's why because i think there's a group of people who are more like me than like you like you have pretty oh, serious sure. power needs right i'm just and a I'm nerd like, I'm, I'm a notepad user like really like right. that's the main thing i use on my laptop and i'm like you know what? i should be able to use 10s and i hadn't really given edge much of a try and I, so I kept S on it and I'm like, Edge is okay. It's not my favorite. I'm still a Chrome user over Edge, but I, I don't know. I, I'm like, okay, I get what they're trying to do, but the problem for Microsoft are, is two things in education. It's the hardware. So OEMs are making PCs for education, but when you feel them, they're kind of like, eh, sort of okay. You know, they, they start as low as 189 for a laptop, but I'm like, what are you really getting for that? And what what age group is that aimed at, right? Right, yeah. Um, but the other bigger problem they have is the manageability piece, which they're trying to solve now. You know, Chromebooks are great because you don't have all this overhead in managing them and provisioning them and servicing them that you have with Windows devices. That's exactly and it. That's what they haven't solved, right? That's what they're they're still, it's still like, but it's Windows, right? <laughs> so I don't know what they can do. And if they do this 399 low-end surface and it still has the same issues around manageability and you still have to buy a keyboard and you have to buy a pen is that really affordable for schools i don't know exactly i'm glad you circled back to the pen and the and the keyboard that's the thing and look i'll be i'll be honest with you and you know this has come up recently somebody contacted me like hey i've got a super cool new review unit to share with you for uh for computex actually like under under nda mm-hmm. and and i was like awesome and they're like oh it's a you know it's a two-in-one uh, with a detachable key. I'm like, nope, I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, the reality is this, is that I think there's a market for these, but I think the classroom and the average user is not that market. 
Like, I think that if you look at the people who use iPads professionally, like really intensely use iPads that are journalists or writers, like Mm -hmm. Harry McCracken is a good example, right? Mm -hmm. At Fast Company. Harry's awesome. He blows my mind how much he uses his iPad for everything. (laughs) But when you see how he uses it, he uses it as a clamshell laptop, essentially. Right. Right? So if you have a clamshell adapter for your tablet, that's what I've always said for Microsoft. Like, that's why the Surface Book is the kind of the perfect Mm-hmm. you know, combination, but it's also the highest end surface other than the surface studio. And I guess the new surface, uh, whatever that beautiful wall mounted oh, yeah. thing. Oh my God. Yeah. That thing blew my mind so I hard. Know. Um, but anyway, thank you, the hub. But I think that, you know, to me, that's, if you sell these with a climate clamshell case, basically that has a keyboard in it, that's made by Microsoft mm-hmm. then, and it's included in the $400 price. Yes. I can see an argument where the you know the 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 increased cost to the schools is is offset by the fact that these things are going to be durable. But right. at the same time, you know, Core M, like you know, that thing's going to be a, a dog, right? That's gonna so, it's good. That's why I didn't follow up as hard as I should have on this tip because I'm like that can't be right, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, look, I'll be honest with you, folks. I have a Core M laptop. It's my MacBook 12 inch, and the only reason I live with it. Uh, is because it's so light, so thin, and it's macOS, and it's made mm-hmm. by Apple, and it's delightfully, beautifully made. But honestly, the day I can have something that size and, and shape and weight and that's fanless that gives me more horsepower, I'll really consider it because, and I think Asus has come very close with mm-hmm. the ZenBook 3, mm-hmm. but I think that, you know, it's it's um, it's um a tough proposition. Like the, the 12-inch MacBook, especially the original that I have, is... You know, after five tabs in a web browser, it becomes a downhill battle of doom, right? You know, I know to manage that. And if I have less than five tabs, I'm good. But that's why I'm recording this right now at home on an iMac. Because this thing, I can open 50 tabs on my iMac without breaking a sweat. And it's not even a high-end one. So the point is that, you know, I think, I don't know. I have a hard time buying that one. I just wish that uh, both Apple and Microsoft understood that if they want the educational market, they need to package these things um, to be uh, to be laptop-ish, right? Because, you know, you yeah. need to be able to balance it on your lap. Like that's honestly yes. to me, like as a as a person who does a lot of traveling for, for, for coverage, I'm, I'm writing on, on the back of, of cramped economy seat, you yeah. know, tables. And often, actually, I don't even use the little uh, food uh, tray i just use my lap um and because the person in front of me reclines too much i can't even use it and honestly sometimes i wish i had a smaller device than my 12 inch macbook because mm-hmm. uh, i can't use i can't you know I, i'm using it at a weird viewing angle because uh, thankfully it has a really good viewing angle on the display but like that's what we're looking for and i think students would be the same like if they want to do work they want to be able to do it outside under a tree you know with their knees bent where a surface device like a traditional tablet with a detachable keyboard would just kind of like topple over and break its glass falling on the ground you know miriam you are the only person besides me who i have heard go on about lapability like microsoft thinks i'm an idiot every time i say the surfaces are not lappable <laughs> and they're, they're like not. you're the only person who thinks I this. Am I'm not, like, no. no i am not <laughs> I, I think most tech journalists that i know at least the ones who don't necessarily cover laptops uh are like that i mean i can tell you all of the phone bloggers and reporters are like i need a laptop and that's why to me the yes. chromebook that I have the Pixelbook and it's expensive and everything, but 
it, that's the kind of two in one I want. It I can bend it backwards into a, a tablet and use it as a tablet. It has a pen, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that is a much use, more usable form factor. I think the ones with the kind of yoga design, you know, that, that Lenovo yeah. has mm-hmm. are to me, if you want to do a two in one, that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, you can't detach the keyboard, but you know what? You're going to need your keyboard anyway. Like how, how rarely do you not, like how often do you not need a keyboard? If you're an artist, I can get it. And then you're not going to buy it, probably a Surface. You're right. going to buy a, an app, an iPad Pro, the big one, right? Because mm-hmm. that's, Probably you'd get the best apps for it right now. Um, so I don't know. I know. I know. I I, you know, and the, the other part of me, when I first heard this tip about the small surface and Coram, I'm like, you know what? I wonder if it is, if the person who told me meant arm, right? And I'm like, maybe oh, they yeah. mean arm. Snapdragon and, 845 on that would be perfect. And so I've been kicking around about that, but I keep hearing not that. And the reason I, I'm hearing not is because... Um, if it is ARM, you, there are some weird limitations around which apps you can run still I know, at this yeah, point, yeah. right? And and if you want it to be a cheap low end device, would would you know would emulation make sense on there? And could it really even work well on there? I don't know. Um, so you know, Microsoft's had kind of mixed results so far with putting ARM uh, Windows 10 on ARM. It's early days still, but you know, I I think they probably don't feel like it's ready enough to come out with a surface line with that is my feeling. Yeah, for sure. This actually transitions us a little bit into the second thing we want to talk to you about, which was what's coming at Computex. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know what's coming at Computex. The only thing I've heard is, I, of course, you know, this is Taiwan's turf. So we're going to get Acer and Asus and, uh, you know, coming out in force, Asus for sure. And I'm I'm hoping we're going to see great things uh, that run Windows. Um, and of course, some phones potentially. But what I'm getting to here is that I have a feeling that you could design uh, an affordable, you know, laptop-ish thing that runs Windows 10 with a Snapdragon 845, mm. and and make it, you know, make it viable for, you know, not maybe not for education just yet, but you know, for for certain tiers, like the journalists. What's what's interesting to me is this, is that I'm hoping we hear from Microsoft or from one of Microsoft's partners of the first worthy to me uh, Qualcomm-based or ARM-based Windows 10 laptop or tablet or two-in-one. And the reason I'm saying that is because so far nothing's been worthy. And I'll yeah. tell you why. You've got the Envy, so I'd, I'd be curious to hear what your take is on that. I played with both the Envy, what is it called again? NVX2. NVX2 at, uh, uh, so Qualcomm had an event in Hawaii in December and invited a whole bunch of us uh, to come over uh, to play with, basically with, uh, get hands-on with the first two. So the one is the Asus, I don't know what it's called, but it's like a a traditional laptop uh, running Snapdragon, Windows 10 Snapdragon. And the other one is the uh, NVX2 from HP, which is much sexier, but it's a two-in-one. So, you know, on one hand you have and, and just to be clear, those are both Snapdragon 835 base, and there's a pretty big performance difference between 835 and 845. So, you know, really, these are obsolete. Uh, yeah. I think what we're going to see at Computex is the first 845 base Windows 10 device. Mm-hmm. And hopefully what I'm hoping is that we're going to see the first that really shows off what a Snapdragon-based laptop or tablet could be like. Because... I think the Envy is sexy and relatively small and thin, but not even remotely as small and thin 
as what we could achieve with this architecture. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a two-in-one, it's a little clumsy. Um, it's a little expensive. Uh, the Asus, I think, is a step in the right direction in terms of price, but in terms of design, it's terrible. Like, I mean, it looks, it doesn't even try to, it's almost not even an ultra book, right? It's, it's so yeah. thick and big and bulky that you're like, why did you bother? Like, you basically, it feels like, to, feels to me like they took an EPC chassis from two years ago yeah. and put a Snapdragon 835 in it. It's like you're completely wasting the mobility, lightweight, and whateverness of this device. Now, it's affordable. What is it, 500, 600, something like that? Yeah, I think so. And the H and the MV is like 1,000. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. first of so what I'm hoping is, I, I hope we can stay at kind of a 1,000 kind of premium-ish price point, but have something that just blows our mind, like something that's thinner than a MacBook or ZenBook 3, uh, something that's thinner than a Pixel book that really says, look, we made it as thin as USB 3, uh, sorry, USB-C ports. And, and you know, we, we totally optimize the crap out of it. It's got 24-hour battery life. It's mm -hmm. got LTE. It's got Qualcomm Snapdragon 845 and, you know, say 8 gigs of RAM and, you you know, 128, 256 gigs of storage, something like that. And it's always on, always connected. It's got like a super high resolution screen. Basically take a, a modern smartphone and turn it into a laptop and put mm -hmm. Windows 10 on it is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when we get this, and hopefully we do, and I'm hoping it's Asus <laughs> because they make some <laughs> delightful devices, uh, at least on this laptop side, not so much on the phone side. Uh, that I, I'm hoping it's them. I'm hoping it's one of them because mm -hmm. I want to, that's the one I want. That's what's going to probably make me switch over from a MacBook, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. because there are some limitations, but for what I do, it's still fine, right? I The biggest limitation is that it's limited to 32-bit windows right now for the legacy right. stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel that um, that's not a big, huge deal. For me, I want to be able to run Visual Studio and develop natively, even if it's a bit slow. I want to be able to run this old version of Photoshop I have, even if it's a little bit slow. Uh, as long as the main core apps are, you know, like the Chromes and 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 Firefox and whatever eventually end up being native 64-bit, then I'll be good, right? Because it's all I really need. So I think this is what I'm hoping is we're going to see one of those. It's going to redefine what that form factor can look like and really blow us away. And at the same time, Microsoft will announce some improvements to Windows 10 on ARM that will alleviate some of the, the limitations that we've seen today, right? Yep. So one, one thing I didn't mention that they did talk about at Build is they've come out with, um, in preview form, a, an SDK to try to get developers to recompile their apps um, they're 64-bit apps, so they'll work on ARM-based devices. So that's happening. Okay, good. There you go. Yep. Um, but, you know, back to the Envy and a lot of the points you're making, I agree with you. Um, I, I've only had very limited time so far with the Envy, and you, you'll like the story because you know the characters involved. <laughs> um, Paul Therott loaned me his because I couldn't get one from HP. And... So he, he immediately took 10S off it and he put it on Pro. Um, and so when I got it from him, it already came with Pro. And, you know, it's like really hard to go back to S once you've been on Pro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'll just leave it on Pro. And so he also didn't tell me at the time, but it had already um, upgraded to the April update, 1803. And I'm not sure that was supposed to have happened because as soon as I started trying to set it up... Uh, I get hit with a cumulative update and I blue screen like one second after I start setting up the device. And I'm like, Ooh. well, <laughs> thanks, Paul. 
I know. And I, yesterday on, on Windows Weekly, I'm like, thanks, Paul. He's like, hey, I gave you the device. What are you, pl- what are you blaming me for? <laughs> True. Um, so HP just actually sent me another one to try out, like, that's, that's set to the um, Fall Creators update, and it's running Windows 10S. So I'm hoping I can better evaluate it then, because I haven't been that happy with it so far. Not just the lack of laptability. That's one thing. But that's not going to change when I get the second device. But also... Um, I feel like the battery claims are kind of weird on this thing. Like they're they're like, oh, you know, like multiple days of battery use. And I'm not getting that so far. I feel like um, connect. I feel like the standby works as advertised. Like when the thing is off, it's not draining my battery. But when I open it back up, suddenly my battery drains really fast. And, and it's weird because I know it's been keeping up with, you know, syncing my email overnight and syncing my messages and all. I can see everything's working as promised, but the battery thing isn't working the way they have claimed. So I'm hoping, again, this is just some weird aberration because it upgraded to 1803 by itself and wasn't supposed to yet or something like that. Yeah. I mean, look, my experience has only been with uh, Qualcomm's demos at Computex last year, actually. I got to, uh, it wasn't running on a laptop. It was running on a little developer board, basically. Yeah. Um, and I got to try installing, like, apps. Like, literally, they let me drive it and take download apps from, like, the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, EXEs yeah. and install them. And everything was working, so I was really impressed. Um, and then, you know, uh, it's felt snappy enough, but I know, I know in terms of hardware is identical to what you're using right now was a Snapdragon 835. Yeah. And, um, I was surprised because I think it's better than I expected, but at the same time, I know that compared to an Intel base, I mean, Intel is still very oomphy in terms of performance compared to Snapdragon, at least if you compare like Core i5 and Core i7, I think that, 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 that gap's going to narrow further. Yeah. Uh, maybe not this generation with the 845, but probably the next generation and beyond that. So I'm I'm hopeful, but... But you know I, what I did love? I, and I think you like this too. The always connected part is great, but so is the switching from Wi-Fi to cell. It's so seamless. It's so good, right? Yeah, that's that's the thing that we're all used to on our phones and that's you, you benefit from Qualcomm's expertise there. I mean, look, I think it's the future. I, I really, do, like, I don't want to, you know, hate on Intel, but Intel has not been able to deliver a mobile a chipset, like a truly mobile chipset that can compete with ARM. And, um, you know, they had their chance. They, they, they sold their ARM division years ago at scale. Um, to, that was a huge strategic mistake. At the time, I thought it was insane. <laughs> um, I guess I, I was very able to see the future, but I, I knew it was insane. And now they're kind of hitting the limits of what the x86 architecture can achieve. It doesn't mean that x86 is dead. I don't think that at all. I just think it has its place. Like it's mm. very, very happy inside my iMac right now doing wonderful things for me. <laughs> and inside, you know, uh, whatever laptop that you're using or device you're using, um, I'm sure. Uh, but at the same time, you know, for me as a mobile first uh, person and for a lot of tech journalists, you know, we want the smallest, lightest uh, power is not quite necessarily the most important thing. So those of us who edit video obviously need that power, but most of us are pretty happy with the Chromebook at the time, usually. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that this is why I'm very excited about uh, Windows 10 on ARM and, and the always connected aspect and the weight and size and potential battery life are huge, huge um you know, huge incentives. Yeah. And I think the battery life claims 
are going to vary widely because they vary widely on phones too. If you play video games on a Qualcomm Snapdragon phone, it's going to drain that battery pretty fast. But if you just use it, you know, like we all do with our phones in our pockets and we mm -hmm. pull it out for the occasional, uh, you know, once a few times an hour for notifications, I think it'll last a long time. Unfortunately, that's not really how you use a laptop, right? You sit right. down, you ride for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how it goes. But I still think that they can beat Intel in terms of battery life in the same form factor with the same battery size. I, I'm convinced of that. At the cost, of course, of performance to some extent. Right. But I don't think that that trade-off is a bad trade-off because it's you know we're, I, I, we're 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 expectations are going to be adjusted when we're using mobile device. At least the mine are. Maybe it's because of using a MacBook 12 inch for three years. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like for me, battery life is so key, and it's been so not addressed by Intel and and OEMs that I'm like, come on, somebody has to solve this puzzle, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, this is exciting. Uh, speaking of laptops and Windows and, and, and Intel and, and all that good stuff, I just got my hands on a, uh, a delightful little beast of a device. Uh, Huawei's MateBook X Pro oh, just landed in my lap. Well, I've been, you know, so they, they briefed me under embargo back in November with that device. And if you look on my Instagram, I took some lovely pictures of it. Maybe it was not November. Maybe it was just before Mobile Congress. So it, anyway, sometime in the winter. And um, at the time, I was like, want, please send me a review unit now, you know. But uh, they didn't because they had very few devices going around. At the time, it wasn't available in the U.S. So interestingly, I've, you know how it is with review units. You keep bugging them every two or three weeks a month and say, hey, any chance? Maybe now? And then they said, yes, we have one for you. And I said, good. And then at the same time, they said, oh, and we are, we're actually launching them in the U.S. now. And I was like, oh, what a coincidence. They're like, yeah, this is totally is a coincidence. We actually don't have review units for other people. So... It's just you harassing us about a review in it that exactly. makes you get it, but it's coincidental with this news item that I want. And I'll put in the in the in the show notes. Basically, you can now buy the the Core i5 version of that MateBook X Pro for about twelve hundred dollars, wow. uh, and that's a really good price because they include a three hundred dollar gift certificate, whatever to I think uh, whatever the merch the participating merchant, including a three hundred dollar spend on our on our store kind of certificate. Oh, nice. So yeah. it's not cash, but it's it's like a, a rebate that you can spend on other things and maybe like a phone. Uh, and then uh, if you're upgrading both. And then, uh, you know, uh, the there's a high-end version that's $1,500 that's uh, Core i7. I mean, the specs are amazing. I just got it out of the box. I can't really tell you too much about performance and how it feels. I don't know if you saw this, uh, Mary Jo, but it has a camera that's built into one of the function keys. I saw that, and I'm, I I couldn't quite envision how that was going to work. Like, so the, doesn't it it's not a, a weird angle? So it's not a key at all, right? Like, basically, it's they 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 put an extra row, an extra key in the row of function keys. Okay. They divided the function keys into two two sections, right? And then they put this key that is actually you push on it, and the camera pops out. You push the camera back in, and it stays in. It's like okay. push pull kind of device. Yeah. Uh, it's very much like the Dell Inspiron 13, yeah. whatever the the high end bezel is. Mm -hmm. Dell's. It's like you get a really terrible, uh, you know. Here's my chin view. I know that's world. what I was thinking. I'm like, it's shooting like up my nose if it's down. So there. it's clever, <laughs> and it's nice that you can turn it off. Like you know that nobody can see the, the lens good. is not exposed, right? It's like you, know, you can. 
prevent the, putting that little shutter thing or piece of tape on your camera. <laughs> but at the same time, it, the view is pretty terrible. But this thing yeah. has a 91% screen-to-body aspect ratio uh, sorry, uh, uh, ratio on uh, on the screen. So mm. it's got very, very little bezel. It's all screen. It looks it's kind beautiful. Of all the pictures I saw, I'm like, wow, that looks really nice. It's a little heavy, three pounds. Mm. I mean, not really, but I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm used to a MacBook 12 inch, so everything is based on that. Um, and it's it's beautifully made. Yeah, it's nice. very, very high, te- very high end. The keyboard feels great. The trackpad feels great. The screen is a touch screen and looks good. It's, I think, only a 1080p screen on the model I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, you know, it's good that you can get it and it's actually relatively affordable. To me, honestly, paying $1,000 for a laptop is not a bad proposition. I think that a lot of people are much more price sensitive than that. I respect that. I think that's why it's awesome. You can buy a $300 laptop today. That's half decent. But I'm saying like, if you're looking for ultra portability, this is definitely like, this is almost a 14 inch screen in the form factor of a, of a 11 inch MacBook Air, right? Yeah. So it's a lot of screen, uh, a lot of tech uh, for for the twelve hundred dollar they're asking, especially if you get a three hundred dollar rebate. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, my, I didn't I didn't tell you what my daily driver is. Yeah, what I, is so it? Do tell me. I've I've been using the HP Spectre, not not the newest three sixty one, but like the one from like a year plus ago. Is this the one they gave away at Build two years ago? No, this is uh this the one is after like that. The really thin. Um, Ultrabook that's like a copper and gold. Color. Oh yeah, yeah, and it has a weird yeah. hinge, right? Yeah, that's I love that machine. Okay. I, I like. I should be the HP spokesmodel for this machine. <laughs> See, it's surprising to me that if you have one and you love it so much and you clearly you own it, that they wouldn't have sent you a review unit of that NVX two, well, and that you no. had to like pry <laughs> to get one. You, you, this is Mary Jo Foley PR people. Like, no, what you is know why? wrong with I, you? I. I I wonder if you're right about Computex, and I wonder if the reason they're kind of limiting how many people are getting those NVX2s are because something there might be coming. something much better right around the corner. I think so, yeah. yeah. So, hey, I want to go through some news items. I got a bunch of stuff here. A lot of it is you're going to just roll your eyes. Um, no, but I, I, I was I, looking I, at your notes, and you know what, Miriam? You need to help me because I'm an Android phone user also. Okay. And what do you I, have? What is your? I phone? have the Nexus 6P, that older Nexus. Oh, but 6P. that's a good one. That's a I really good phone. one. Oh yeah. But it's starting to slowly need to be replaced. Like it's charging much, much slower, and it's reacting slower. So I'm like, I'm gonna have to get a new Android phone pretty soon. So I need you to kind of walk me through what kinds of good stuff is available. And I, I like you with laptops. I'm not price sensitive because I use my phone so much. I'm willing to pay for a good phone. Well, so my recommendation today, and it's one of our topics for the day, is that last week, the podcast, we mentioned uh, with my guest, we mentioned the OnePlus 6 because they had just, basically the embargo had just literally lifted mm-hmm. an hour prior. Um, but uh, we couldn't talk about everything because okay. there were some still, some things that were still under embargo. Now everything is completely been lifted. And so I would say consider, obviously, the Pixel phones, right? Yeah. Uh, but they're getting a little long in the tooth insofar right. that they're perfectly competitive. They're still the, some of the best, probably the top five phones. But the problem is we have a Pixel 3 coming in October or so. And mm. October is really just around the corner. If sure. you 6 peak and hold on till October, I would honestly wait to see what the Pixel 3 lineup brings to the table. 
Okay. Because really, if you are a Nexus user, going to a Pixel is the most logical thing to do at this point. Right. I've gone through from a 6P to a Pixel XL to a Pixel 2 XL, probably to a Pixel 3 XL, um, whenever that arrives and if it's called that, or maybe Pixel 3 Plus. I'm sure they'll have two sizes again, mm -hmm. uh, as they have for the last two Pixels. And as you know, at the time of your 6P, there was also a Nexus 5S. That right. was. Uh, I tried uh, that too. I like 5X, that. Five X, sorry, not five S. The five X, yeah, yeah. It's a, it, the problem with the five X and the six P is that the specs didn't match, so you had less RAM and a lesser processor in the five X. Whereas the Pixel and Pixel Two are identical phones in terms of their guts. Mm. They just have different displays and batteries, right? right. So that's uh, why I recommend you wait till the Pixel Three. But if you really desperately need it because your 6P is literally like delaminating in front of you um, <laughs> and disintegrating in your hand uh, and being held together by the sheer might of Mary Jo's brain, um, I would recommend you look at the OnePlus 6 because honestly, for the money right now, this is the, you know, OnePlus, it's their, let's see, I guess sixth generation device or fifth generation. It's hard because I just skipped the four, but mm -hmm. they've done kind of two intermediate phones in the middle. I'd like to count it as a fourth generation, uh, fourth generation device. And it's the first one that I feel really hits all, ticks all the boxes properly. The camera has always been a weak point for OnePlus in the past. And I feel that it's still not as good as like the best of the best, which is Pixel 2, which is um, Galaxy S9, which is, you know, the big players out there, the, the Huawei's and the LG's of the world. But for the first time, the OnePlus 6, I think has a camera that's competitive. and it's not quite as good as those, but very close. Mm -hmm. And and it's only going to get better with updates. And like the Nexuses, the OnePlus will get updates often. And the OnePlus 6 is eligible to, to do a, the beta of Android P. So it's treated by Google as one of the official Pixel mm -hmm. devices. Okay. There's a handful at I.O. They announced there's a handful, about 10 phones, that you can try out Android P and we'll be getting Android P very early on. Uh, that includes the existing pixels. Uh, that includes the OnePlus 6. That includes um, a, a bunch of Nokia phones. Uh, as you know, HMD, the new owner of Nokia, Nokia's brand, the Finnish company HMD Global, has made all their phones run Android 1, which is like the pure Android, the one you get on a Nexus mm -hmm. or a Pixel. Uh, and uh, so a lot of these phones are going to get updates pretty quickly. Um, so I would recommend you look at the OnePlus 6 simply because you're used to pure Android. Right. And, uh, uh, but, you know, again, wait till the Pixel 3 if you can, because I think as a Nexus user, you want to go and stay in. I would Google, like to Google if I land. can. I so the takeaway from the the OnePlus 6, you know, I, I will be publishing my own review at some point. Um, I only did an unboxing on my YouTube channel, but for the listeners, I just want to tell you, Super awesome phone. Very, very good. Very, very, very good. Like I would has always had a few reservations with OnePlus in the past, but they've nailed everything. The design is gorgeous. The materials, the the performance as always, that's always been good. The camera is finally competitive. Um, you know, you can't go wrong. And even though it's not officially water resistant, um, there are more and more tests and rumors are coming out that show that they didn't get the certification. They didn't want to pay for the certification, but we're very close to a water-resistant phone. So that was another little bonus. Um, headphone jack, of course, all that good stuff. That's the one thing you have to remember, Mary Jo, if you go to Pixel, the two and the three, so probably next year's, uh, well, this year's or the next one won't, won't have headphone jack. Uh, right. The OnePlus does. Uh, 
And yeah, that's that's my take on the OnePlus 6. Really awesome. But I can't end this podcast, and I'm, a, I'm actually about to end it, but I, I, I need to really mention that there was a big announcement this week uh, in the phone world that HTC launched a new phone called the HTC U12 Plus. And I uh, did a hands-on video. I'll link it in the, in the, in the show notes. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the link I sent you. What is, your, what is your take on HTC? Like, I mean, I don't know if you followed the, the drama and stories about HTC, how they sold kind of half of their company to Google, the oh, phone right. yeah. division. Uh, yeah. And then we thought for sure they were going to stop making phones because of that, because, you know, their focus has really been VR with the Vive mm-hmm. lately. Right. And yet they surprised us by launching a flagship phone just now. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked really nice in, in the images that I've seen of it. It is I, very I didn't sexy. know the whole drama, though. I didn't know the backstory. Well, it's not drama. It's just more like, you know, we, it's hard to tell where they're going because, right. you know, they're, if you sell half of your phone in-house know-how to Google, yeah. what's left, right? And are you right. still able to make phones? That was the big, that was in September and that was the big or October, uh, no, no, wait, August. It was in the summer uh, last year. And we were like, where does it take HTC as a phone maker? Well, apparently they're still around and still making a phone called the U12 Plus. So the U12 Plus basically takes the concept of last year's U11 and cranks it up to the next level, which is uh, competitive with all the current flagships and priced, by the way, very similar to the Galaxy S nine at uh, starting at 800 and up to 850 uh so not cheap uh, the, the the price re- basically reflects how much storage you get but you have micro sd so i would just buy the cheaper one um six gigs of ram snapdragon 845 dual camera in the front and the back so not just the back but the front which is nobody's done i think yet maybe some chinese phones have that feature but um oh no wait the lg v10 the LG V10 had dual front cameras as well, but it didn't do portrait mode or anything. So this says all the you know the tricky, uh, fake bokeh portrait stuff mm. on the front and the back camera. Um, but it's glass and um, glass sandwich like all the modern phones. But here's cool: one of the three colors is like a gray, like a red, red pinkish, and a bluish color. The bluish color is actually a semi-translucent back. Oh, wow. So you can see the, the guts. Like you the can blue. see the guts of the phone underneath, oh, like faintly. Cool. And it's that's not cool. like a print on the on the glass. It's actually whatever's under there. So that re, that the result of that is that you can't have wireless charging on that phone. And by the way, that's one of the drawbacks of the OnePlus Six as well, no wireless charging. But that's a minor thing for most people. Um, and uh, the pinkish, reddish U11. So U U12 Plus is actually weird because it shifts color from like a gold to a red. So depending on what angle you cut it, it looks gold or it looks red. It's really weird. A lot it looks of pe- like the blue dress gold. Well, dress. it's exactly. It's funny you make, bring that up because uh, this year a lot of new phones, like especially Huawei's phones, like the P20 Pro and the P20 and the Honor 10, have had this crazy color. Uh, glass back where the colors shift and uh, it's like a, a gradient of color if you look straight on like they're going nuts with color and I'm glad you know I'm glad we need more colors in our lives you know of course yeah. most people buy gray and black ones you know that because they're boring or they put a case over it so it's oh like, they oh, put a case over it and they can have like <laughs> something super custom yeah but anyway look the U12 plus I'll be getting reviewing it uh, from HTC soon I'll I'll let you all know what I think um, I've I'm pretty impressed my only reservations it's a little pricey no headphone jack but we knew that was going to be the case because they didn't do headphone jack last year um interesting camera developments it got a dxo 
um, rating of 103. You know I don't care about that. The proof is ultimately in the pudding, as I said in my hands-on. But uh, it's impressive. It looks impressive on paper. And um, that phone feels really nice in hand. It feels hefty. It feels, it feels HTC-ish. And so it's good to see that HTC is around, is continuing despite selling half of itself, well, half of its phone division to, uh, to Google. So that's the big news items. I want to quickly go over a few little things. Um, another phone that has been recently uh, discussed on the podcast, Mary Jo, is the LG G7, which is their current flagship. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's been a really delightful phone. I, I, I published a, a video review on my YouTube channel, which I will link in the notes. But I concluded that, like many LG phones, it's completely understated. It's completely going to fly under the radar. And it's going to be one of those, we're going to look back at this phone going, this one was a great phone and nobody bought it kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't say nobody because they have, do have carrier agreements. And in the U.S., that means people will buy it by walking into the carrier store, which is great. But the problem with the G7 is the price. We didn't know the price until now because... LG's line was, we're going to find out when the carriers announce the price. They didn't want to give us the pricing. And we're finding out that the price is $750 plus. Or I think the lowest is $729 or something, which is, depending on the carrier, that's too much. For that phone, um, at $650, $700, it would have been a good proposition. But I think it's going to have a hard time competing with the Galaxy S9. That's my concern with that HTC U12 Plus. It's a delightful phone, but when you can buy a Galaxy S9, uh, the Galaxy S9 is a fantastic phone, and you know it's going to get great support and great everything, and that you can buy it from any carrier. So if you don't want to pay the upfront cost, you can subsidize it some way. It's a hard proposition to come to be to be HTC and LG. As an aside, HTC is not planning to sell their phone through any carriers this time at all. But uh, but LG is only selling through carriers, so keep that in mind. I want to hear your take, Mary Jo. This is something you can definitely talk to. Is that ZTE situation? Have you been following a ZTE? I guess is in American. Right, ZTE, which is harder to say, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm a Canadian, so I, I have a hard time with Z's. I forget that there's Z's in the U.S., even though I've lived in the U.S. 20 years. So I say Z. But right. um, ZTE, like, what do you think? So the latest, latest, just to update you, is that they're going to get a break somehow. They're, the U.S. and Chinese governments are going to work it out. Uh, which I think is good because we need more competition despite them having broken some laws and I'm not in support of them not getting penalized. We also don't want them completely disappearing from the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what have you been following this at all? Just a little bit. Um, Superficially, yeah. Yeah. What I, do you think? I, I, think the, I think the more carrier, I mean, the more handset makers, the better in this country. Uh, right. Because we're, we're, you know how it is here. It's like we're so subject to what the carriers do. I mean, most that's how most people buy their phones, like you said, walking into a store, right? So I, I just like the idea of having more choice. I, I, when I understand why it's been controversial around ZTE, but I also think, you know what? The more, the more people making phones, the better. Yeah, I agree. All right, just a few more uh, news items. Uh, Alcatel is launching a new phone in July, in June, I think. I don't know. I don't know the dates. I'll, I'll send a link to the uh, notes. It's going to be pretty affordable. Uh, it's called the Alcatel 3 V. Uh, it's going to cost uh, $150. I saw it at Mobile Congress. I'll link to my hands-on video below uh, in the notes. And I think, let's see, when is it coming? Uh, do they say a date? I don't know if there's a date. Sometime soon. Um, so if you're looking for an affordable unlocked phone, this is going to be an option soon. Uh, then we have... Uh, 
some news from Hydrogen, from, sorry, Red, the camera company. I, are you familiar with the fact that Red is making a phone? I did not know that. So Red, the, you notes. know, yep. big, crazy camera company, announced last summer or something or fall with great fanfare that they were going to do a phone. And everybody's like, what? And so we, we, we had seen a hands-on before, um, Marques Brownlee of MKBHD. Mm -hmm. Did I say that right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, did a, did a hands-on uh, a little while ago, but The Verge did have more detailed hands-on more recently. So I just want to, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, that Vivo all-screen phones that we saw as a kind of rumor, it looks like it's going to become a reality. Uh, it should be arriving in June. So this is the, potentially the first, this is what's the big deal here. Mary Jo, is this, this might be the first phone with completely bezel-less, like just oh, screen. Oh, wow. Really? And the way it handles that, it has a selfie camera that electrically pops out. Hmm. Like, uh, if you click on the link, you can kind of see the photo. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Wow, right? Weird. <laughs> so, um, you know, what? what's your take on that, actually? What's your take on phone design? We've seen the evolution from, like, a 16 by 9 regular display with, like, a bezel on top and the bottom to, like, an 18.9 ultra-wide screen with less bezel top and bottom to now a notch on a lot of the new Android phones, uh, which can be masked, by the way, which is nice because you get a little bit of extra real estate that way. Uh, but it's controversial. And right. then now we're looking at the next step, which is full screen. Do you, do you think none of do you, as a user, do you think this matters? Do you um, care? I, you know, I like having more phone real estate. I don't even mind how big phones have gotten. And, and I know some people are like, oh, they're too big. Like the Nexus 6P, when this, when this came out, everyone was like, that is a huge phone. I, I like having more screen real estate. I like being able to see more things on my screen and I always have a case on my phone. So you know, it's great for me, even if it is totally bezel-less, it's fine. I can still grip it and, and I mean, not have an I issue I think that's with that. the thing, right? Like imagine the size of you. Imagine if you cut your phone off where your existing 6P, where the screen ends, how much smaller it would be, yet you would still have that same real estate. Exactly. That's kind of what they're going for. Like I'll give you an example that, that, jet, uh, that LG G7 that I said is a little bit over, more expensive than we expected. That phone is smaller in footprint significantly than your P6P, right? Yeah. But it has a 6.2-inch display. Right. That is a lot of screen real estate and something <laughs> that actually fits in your hand really nicely. So it that's is. why yeah. I'm excited about it. I think that the electric camera popping out is a little bit of a gimmick. They could make it mechanical, yeah. but whatever. Um, also, as Qualcomm announced last night, and I had to include this last minute, a new chipset last... Uh, we, we knew it was coming. They had kind of talked about it at Mobile Congress, but they announced the first chip series in that chipset, which is the Snapdragon 710. And mm -hmm. what's that going to bring to the table is... Uh, 800 level, like Snapdragon 845 level performance at a Snapdragon 660 level pricing. I mean, you know, like in the middle of all that somewhere, meaning that the phones like the OnePlus 6 could be even more affordable if they use that chipset instead of the flagship chipset and lose very little in terms of performance and battery life. It's a 10 nanometer chip like the 845. So that's great news. Again, link in the show notes. The final thing I want to say, I don't know how much of a car person you are, Mary Jo. Have you been following <laughs> EVs, electric cars? Are you a, an EV person? Miriam, you're not going to believe this because I know you are a car enthusiast. I haven't driven in 20 years. Well, that's good for you because you know what? Driving, if you don't want to do it, is something you shouldn't have to do. So I'm glad. <laughs> you know, my spouse has no driver's license. Uh, yeah, same. New, I let mine go. 
They're yeah. a New Yorker, so they're like, meh, yeah. you know, I never bothered. And so, you know, I don't have any problem with that. Um, are you at all, have you ever been in a Tesla? Nope, never. No, nope. it's, it's, it's a really lovely experience. So I don't know if you know this, but I've ordered a Model 3 and I've actually received my, my invitation. Like I, I, you know, I was early on. So I am actually placed an order now and I'm waiting for delivery of my order. And I, uh, the reason I brought this up is because these, these, there's two bits of news here. On the weekend, Elon Musk went crazy tweeting about a new variant of the Model 3, which will have two motors, meaning it's going to be all-wheel drive instead of rear-wheel drive, um, which is going to cost more money. And so the, then there's also a performance model, which will be even more money. And so it's funny because I've placed my order and I can't really afford the, the, the new model that he announced. So it's, mm-hmm. I'm going to be happy with what I got and with, I'm getting, what I, with what I'm getting anyway. But it's interesting that just after I made my order, I, they finally announced what I really wanted, but I can't really afford. And <laughs> more importantly, because of this announcement, they're kind of reshuffling their entire manufacturing structure right now in terms mm-hmm. of deliveries. So my delivery, which was supposed to happen three to six weeks after I placed my order, which is now about four weeks ago, uh, is actually being pushed to July. <laughs> so oh, wow. I'm mm-hmm. not getting my car till July. God <laughs> damn it. And not only that, now I won't have the best one because I'll announce newer, oh. faster, all-wheel drive models. Oh, it's no big deal. That's just, you know, honestly, I guess I said, I can't really afford the all-wheel drive model. Uh, so I'm going to have to stick with the highest end of the uh, rear wheel drive model. So that's fine. And, but they've announced it. It's, it's available now. You can, if you have an invitation and you can go ahead and place your order, you now have the option to get all wheel drive in. And for people like you who live in colder climates in the winter, yes. at least it's uh, definitely something to explore for us here in California. Doesn't make much of a difference. Yeah. Um, so I'm not too worried about it. Mm-hmm. But that's it. That's the podcast. Yes. Wow. We, we covered a lot of ground. On. I know. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> I want you to tell the world where they can follow you online, uh, Twitter, social media, whatever, Instagram. Most importantly, tell them about your column on ZDNet. Sure. So I do a, um, it's daily, basically. I, I'm always posting there a column called allaboutmicrosoft.com. And I cover everything about Microsoft, except the one thing I don't really cover much is Xbox, um, because it's mostly a business-oriented site, ZDNet is. So I cover everything else, though. I cover developer tools, I cover operating systems, and cloud, and AI, and AR, and the whole thing. So if you want to know anything about Microsoft, go to allaboutmicrosoft.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, at Mary Jo Foley. There you go. And you know, I want you to, I want to tell the audience, a lot of them are younger and Mary Jo and I have been doing this for a long time. She <laughs> is really an expert in Microsoft. Like if you are confused about some Microsoft strategy, you read something and you want, you want to know what's going on, tweet at Mary Jo and okay. she will straighten it up for you. She will know what's right. I'll do my and best. And then, you know, you, <laughs> and then Paul will jump in and you guys will argue for a while. It'll be great. Exactly. You know how that goes. <laughs> Um, I need to have Paul on my podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna get him on you maybe do. for the next big Microsoft event. Um, the next thing I wanted to say is that we have a sponsor on this podcast. That's Audible. Audible.com. Uh, do you do you listen to audiobooks enough? 
I don't make it, because no, I don't why. really like have a way, you know, like most people listen in their cars and I'm You I'm don't like, drive. Well, yeah. No, it makes sense. Look, if you ever do want to listen to audiobooks, so I really highly recommend you listen to audible.com because they have such a great selection. That's the thing that always blows my mind. I'm not a huge avid reader. My spouse is, which is part of why we have the audible.com mm. subscription ourselves. And wow, the choices, you know, they tell me all the time. They say, hey, look at this. I mean, I can get this book. So I guess, uh, you know, if you are an avid reader and you maybe commute and you can't you can't actually read a physically a book, audible.com is the way to go. So if you want to support the podcast, we have a special link you can uh, click on that will let you join Audible. But uh, it's uh, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And to wrap things up completely, you know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. Like the comic book character without the vowels. That's also my <laughs> handle on Instagram. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Miriam Just spell out my name as it's displayed in Twitter with a, Miriam with a Y. And you'll get to uh, see some videos that complement this podcast, uh, show you some of the devices I'm playing with, lots of unboxings and hands-on and that kind of stuff. Um, no, I don't focus on quality too much. I just try to have fun doing it. Uh, it's very controversial. Some people are like, oh, you need to step up your YouTube game. I'm like, hey, you know, I got better things to do like this podcast. So subscribe to the channel nonetheless. Like the videos. It'll help me. And then more importantly, subscribe to this podcast. MobileTechPodcast.com is where we live. We're on uh, Pocket Cast. We're on iTunes. We're on uh you know, uh, all the platforms, just search for Mobile Tech Podcast or search for Tank Girl without the vowels or both. Mary Jo, thank you for being on. It was a pleasure and an honor to have you on. Oh, thanks. I had a great time. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll have another show next week. And uh, after the week after that, I'll be at Computex. So it'll be a lot of fun. All right, everybody. Cheers. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.